Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive. Yeah. Welcome Do it. Do it. to The Deep Dive. Andy. Wednesday. We only have three of these left. Are you kind of sad? I I am, but I had so much fun talking to Suma. I think we'll have to do another one of those. Ooh, I, I enjoyed that. talking to. Is, that, is your good mic on? I should have told no, you. No, I don't think so. Is my mic a little weak? Yeah, you're a little weak here. It's just it's. I'm not getting the full bass. I want the, I want all the all the goods. I wonder if I can hook it up. I had a little computer problems today. I wonder how does what's where's the back of this one go? Now, now you got me like yanking on cords. I'm, I'm like <laughs> well, off camera. We're live, so you know it's all good. Um, yeah, we are live. It's fine. We, we want to give, yeah, we wanna give people the best possible audio experience. This is a this is a no no uh, no 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 frills operation here. Um, no expenses spared. Um, yeah, that was a mistake to hit that. The uh, I'll I'll give us a little bit of a of a you know warm up here. Because I we can't before we we're going to cover the second half of the AFC West today, which includes, of course, the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim, as well as the Kansas City Chefs. And but before we go with those two teams, there was huge news on the team we just covered. <laughs> so already our latest podcast is has been dated. The Denver Broncos have named Teddy Bridgewater. They're starting quarterback, and your volume is way, 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 way low. Did we kind of cover all the bases, though? Well, you know, we did cover our bases. I feel like in that Denver Broncos podcast, your volume is still super duper, 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 duper low. Um, but uh, aside from, we were t- debating at the end, you know, what are they better off doing? And I, I guess in hindsight, to the surprise of, no one who understands a defensive head coach and what that means for your team. Uh, the Fangio went with the safe choice and the safe choice was uh, Teddy Bridgewater, less likely to turn the ball over, less likely to, you know, get, you know, make the backbreaking decision that loses you a game. Um, and uh, they're going to lean on that defense uh, to try to get wins this season, which is, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a suspect decision, in my opinion, just because I don't know what eight, nine or nine and eight really gets you. Uh, I think, you know, your future really revolves around getting Aaron Rodgers next season if you truly intend to make the most out of this roster. Um, but uh, what was your gut reaction to the Teddy Bridgewater decision? Yeah, I mean, it gets you damn close to the playoffs, probably not in. Um, but yeah, what? I think you framed it well, and we talked about this a little. Hopefully, my volume's back where it should be. It's up. I think I'm at full speaking volume now, but um, the the distribution of win totals with the lock was huge. You said, <laughs> you know, it's from like four to twelve. Yes. You just don't like the guy. Probably stinks, but we know a lot less about him. Teddy Bridgewater is a known quantity. He's been in the league long enough. We've seen him in multiple offenses with multiple schemes. You kind of know what you're going to get. We've seen him in preseason. We've seen him with other coaches. We've seen him with this offensive coach. We've seen him do this. We know what you're going to get. It's it's going to be, you know, just uh, 
Teddy Two Gloves doing what he does, and you, yeah, you're like he, like you said, you you lowered the distribution down to like eight <laughs> or nine wins, which is very narrow, but honestly, probably fair. So, um, it, it was fun giving Siege shit because he was dead set on this not happening. But otherwise, like this was kind of a non-starter for me. I didn't I didn't care. Like that, I guess if you bet against this team in some alt totals, I would have loved to see some uh you know some drew lock in there just because it does change up the the complexion of just how good or how bad this team might be but you know for for i I don't have a lot of outside of them to win the division in the super bowl which i needed neither of these men i needed a trade for (laughs) rogers or watson neither happened so like those are dead those are dead rubbers just because we didn't get that to happen and yeah i don't i'm honestly it wasn't like the biggest news to me it's i was i was assuming this would happen i didn't care what the silly prop market said yeah. like, i thought like he's gonna go with the same choice to rely on defense he's a defensive head coach is like well we'll just rely on our defense and we'll go with the same for quarterback okay so who are the biggest winners then of the teddy two gloves decision they are the two teams we are about to talk about because both the Chargers and the Chiefs are capable of scoring 30 points on you in any given game. And now the Broncos, I don't have in that category. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Teddy Two Gloves takes a huge step forward. Maybe uh, maybe Matt Rule and um, uh, and, Bra- and uh, Joe Brady were holding him back last year by not practicing enough red zone. And, you know, end of game, two-minute drill. Uh, but... Uh, Ultimately, I don't see this as a team that can score 30 points, even though they've got lots of weapons and a decent, decent O-line anymore. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the combination of Pat Shermer and, and Teddy Bridgewater, this team now has a ceiling of about 24 points in most games, in my opinion. So offensive downgrade for them, which helps the Chargers and the Chiefs. Let's talk about the Chargers, and let's talk about their 2020 season, which was a, a perfect bow on the anthony lynn era <laughs> really <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was mean, a good bow on the air on the era, man um i because it honestly, was another year i, I want to save a lot of it <laughs> okay for uh, coaching like i, I want to save a lot of this for when we do talk about the coaching upgrade i don't know how much we need to talk about some of these games i think we're going to dig into that enough when we do the autopsy on anthony lynn not literally. He is still with us. In fact, he got a job, obviously. Everyone does when they get fired. But it was – I mean, if you want to concentrate on the positive, like, we we are not good evaluators of college quarterbacks. We never have been. Maybe we'll, someday we will be. But, like, I mean, some people a lot smarter than us thought Herbert was a reach. It was a bad pick. And we were like, well, we're not going to find out because they have – again, it's like the Teddy thing. Oh, here's the safe choice. We'll go with uh, Tarad. I'm Anthony Lynn, and I need to save my job. And even with the season that has it, it's wild that it still didn't happen there. But, uh, yeah, they they got rid of Rivers. It had been 15 years since he hadn't been on the team, and they started to Rod Taylor. And it took a week for that medical staff to do something wild like they always do, punctured his lung, and all of a sudden he got Herbert. And Herbert played, I don't know, it was, it was a team effort, obviously, but those first couple games, it's like, Wow, this is this is like a thing. Like he's, he's straight on good. I think probably outside of him just being good, I was a little surprised at the record. Like I thought they had one more win, honestly. 
I remember this being a little better of a team record-wise. It wasn't. They lost a lot of games. It, it was just, again, starting a rookie quarterback, losing somebody like James right away, losing some other pieces to injuries, as, as will happen when you are the Chargers. But it, it felt like this team was better. And I, was that because of all the Herbert hype? Like that we were just excited off the get-go and he was – you know, he was good immediately, and everyone was pumped, and it's like, oh, there goes Rookie of the Year. And, the, I mean, in that first game, they actually led the Chiefs at halftime. The Chiefs kind of – I think there was an overtime there. I think that – I think they went to overtime three or four times. It was a, one and two a traditional Chargers season of close one endings, yeah. But, yeah, outside, I, don't, I didn't have a lot of things to say about specific games. Um, I'm going to save a lot of that for when we get to the coaching and the coaching change, because I think a lot of uh, the, the biggest talking point here is, and I hate to use the cliche, but like it, it's alliteration. That's why it's a thing. But sophomore slump is a thing. Like there's, oh, just people got time to spend time checking out this offense, out this quarterback, and now they kind of figured him out. He's not going to be as good or just all the pressure on him now or just that, that's like the perfect way to start an NFL game is not knowing you're going to start it until the other quarterback is down along. And it's like, oh, hey, guess what? You're in. Because that was that was not that far from game time, if I remember right. Yeah, that was, was like, right. a, oh, it like, was it was, it was literally in warmups for the Kansas City game week two. Uh, it was pregame. Yeah. So like, pre -game I, I would love that if I was the quarterback. Like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm he, going. And he was. Uh, I don't know your takeaways. Yeah, from no, the season? I mean, you're, you're. I think I get what you're saying. Um, and yes, right away he looked like the real deal. He went for 300 yards passing against the Kansas City Chiefs, ran for a touchdown, had them in position to pull off the impossible upset as like 10 point dogs or something at home. Um, I don't exactly remember what they were as yeah. far as underdogs go, but it was a big number. Uh, then the next weekend he throws for 300 again. Uh, again, has them in position to get a win, but ultimately loses at home to Carolina. Um, and yeah, then went toe to toe with Tom Brady in Tampa the third week, 290 yards passing, including a couple of deep beauties where he beat a Tampa Bay defense that was playing well and playing aggressively, scores 31 points on Tampa. Um, that was eye opening. Um, goes toe to toe with Drew Brees week five at New Orleans. Uh, loses by three, and then also in a very impressive game. So he had his first four starts were all L's, but you could you came away with the distinct impression that this guy can play. He finally gets a win against Jacksonville. Three more losses at Denver, home against the Raiders at Miami, and so at this point in his young career, he is one and seven. Yet he was clearly in the driver's seat for the offensive rookie of the year because he was putting up eye-popping passing numbers, both both yards and touchdowns. Um, four passing touchdowns against the very tough New Orleans secondary, three against Tampa, three against uh, the Jags, three against the Jets. Obviously, the Jags and the Jets were giving up passing touchdowns to everyone. But nonetheless, the reason we think of it as such a successful season and the reason that you may be kind of scratching your head is that, whoa, they were only seven and nine. Was they won their last yeah. four, and when you finish on a four-game winning streak, because uh, clearly this team was not in contention to win uh, any, you know, not in contention to go to the playoffs when they uh, lost to the um, the Patriots forty-five to zero at home to drop them to three and nine. Season was over. 
And you're thinking about 2021 at that point. Yeah. But they reeled off four straight wins, and it was against weak competition up until, you know, you you beat the B team for Kansas City Week 17, so la-di-da. Um, but, you know, there was a decent buzz about this team and the rookie quarterback, uh, and he got an award. That's obviously, you know, changes perception to a degree. Um, and, yeah, the – Enorm- yeah, enormous questions now about Herbert and what he gives you this year. Does he take a step forward or is this a sophomore slump season? And um, I guess I didn't have a strong opinion one way or the other about him. Uh, I thought I was pretty strongly on the corner of Tua is a risk because the injury, but I didn't have a strong take on Herbert either way. Yeah. Uh, and so I was just sort of like, oh, we'll, we'll see. This might work. They have good weapons, whatever. Um, but other people were pretty sure he was not going to work out. And I think, would you say it's fair that the major takeaway of that was evaluating a player based on college statistics may be uh, a muddy data set clouded by the offensive system he's playing under, both from maybe, say, Oklahoma and Oregon? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. We're gonna we're gonna find out in a hurry on that. Like, and it, it's tough. It's tough to use some of that data because people can say like, "Oh, Alabama quarterbacks haven't worked out." Like, yeah, I get that it's been multiple times and McCarran and oh my god, I'm trying to think of some of those. They all have the same haircut. They all look the. It's like Duke. Like every every Duke point guard looks the same. Sure, but uh, um, you know, a bunch of those didn't work out. A bunch of Alabama running backs did make it and you get this oh it's a thing like it's a thing or like Iowa tight ends like it's a thing and Notre Dame offensive linemen which absolutely is a thing they just coach those up like I can see it being a positive but the, the negative of like hey this just hasn't worked out it hasn't worked out we see you know teams or people dogging on Lance because he played at a D3 school or D2 what have you you uh, you get people dogging on maybe uh, Wilson this year because he played such a soft schedule. It's like it's hard to tell. Like the only one that was like real is like Mitch Trubisky is a super big risk just because he hasn't hardly played at all. I guess Lance feels that too. And I think uh, I was one of those where it's like shit. I don't know. I'm washed. I don't stay up and watch West Coast football. Like I'm not sure I've seen this guy play. It's on too damn late. So I, you know, I did watch some highlights, but I mean, everything I read, people were out on him, and yeah, I think it's it's maybe the most difficult job in the NFL is being the people that evaluate the quarterback because when it's so much hinge, it's not uh, you know calling a play or putting together a scheme for an entire game. I mean, this could set you up or screw you over for a few years making the right or wrong call on this. So. Very difficult. It doesn't surprise me that we're wrong more often than we're right on these quarterbacks. Big Josh Rosen guy checking in, a hater of Baker Mayfield. We did like Lamar. Let's let's pat her back, pat our pat ourselves on the back on that. Tua, I wasn't sure. I thought the Lions still should have taken him. That was a weird spot, and then the the, the trade that they didn't make. But yeah, Herbert, we were kind of uh, iffy on. Iffy is probably too soft a word. Like we were a little down on that pick and pleasantly surprised and yeah i think with some of the things i read and saw regarding the coaching last year and the offense last year i'm i'm more bullish on him playing well this year so i don't know um 
outside of you know if we get into changes i, I guess i just to, to put a bow on his 2020 season i don't want to get too much into staying on the stats, offensive but i side. do think there's a potential that because his counting stats were so eye-popping that they like his the evaluation of him is a little glossy it's a little uh you know it's, it's a little positive you know, he got you know he broke broke the rookie passing yard yeah. yardage or whatever for forty three hundred passing yards, thirty one touchdowns, passing touchdowns, only to ten interceptions. So, I mean, I, I know when you see a rookie do that sort of thing in fifteen games, it's like you know you have to take notice. You have to. Um, but at the same time, there were some other things about his game that were pretty questionable, and we'll get to those when we get to the specific in depth on Herbert. Oh, the haircut, haircut. was brutal. Um, oh, but, uh, you want to guess? You want to guess uh, where Herbert landed in terms of EPA per play among starting quarterbacks last year? He had this weird thing where he was really good in the first half, um, but yeah, probably middle nope, of the pack. Nope, 15, he was 16. good. He was uh, he was up in the um, uh, I, I can't, my sorting is not working right now. He was 16. He, he, his, I mean, he didn't have his many completion mistakes. percentage over expectation was lower on than um, than some other uh, you know notable quarterbacks, but his EPA per play was 12th. So he was top half of the league in EPA per pass uh, in the ballpark with Mayfield, Drew Brees, and Lamar Jackson, just above Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson. Um, so. Just where you want to be in that Drew, right in that Drew Brees, right in that 2020 <laughs> Drew Brees range. That's funny, Dude. and that just again that speaks to Sean Payton you and know, what they his did dot, with that offense with Drew his Brees. Like, not that super Drew. close to Drew Brees in both CPOE and, and EPA yeah, play, like super close. Um, but all yeah. that said, uh, the thing that stood out to me the most about about his 2020 campaign was his deep ball was beautiful. It was beautiful. When he had time to pass, his receivers created separation down the field. He was lethal. There were a couple of very notable deep balls that he threw over the course of the regular season that were like stand up and clap, and it, you know, even if you didn't have a bet on the Chargers. It's it's funny that you would choose that too because that is one of the things that have been shown to be highly variant of course. year over year. Of course. Like, like, yeah, like that, that, that's the toughest part. It's like, oh man, oh, we'll the guy get has a, good a deep bunch ball. more. Yeah. People, people, yeah, there's a bunch more pe people with good deep balls have taught, you know, have bad years with the deep ball. And it's just, it's like, oh, and, and we'll get to him. Mahomes, his deep ball wasn't great last year. It's not because he didn't throw a good deep ball. It's a highly variant play that you don't throw, you know, you're not throwing, you know, 15, 20 deep balls a game. It just, it, it is going to be, there's going to be a lot of variance. So, yeah, I, I again, I'm going to get to him a little more when we get to coaching. Um, in the changes, in the, you know, the changes for the 2020 season, honestly, outside of, a lot of it was defensive, I suppose. Really, really don't know what to make of this Slater. I know we've been, You've converted me. I'm I'm a full team. Hey, if you didn't play last year, I'm leery. I'm a little wary of you. I'm not sure what's going to happen. So, we've had some reports out of camp that uh, Slater had some, and, and still, you're a rookie coming into the league, and you had a year off. It's it is what it is. But he, yeah, hopefully, he's good. We liked him in college. We liked uh, you know that that pipeline coming up from Northwestern. 
and then Asante Samuel, and then the rest was outside of uh, a couple nice offensive lineman signings. We talked about that with Green Bay, Lindsley ending up here, uh, Feller, Jared Cook probably doesn't move the needle anymore. That was he's okay, but uh, the biggest thing to me outside of on offensive side, the biggest thing for me is probably the coaching change. Well, that's like as far as change, it just changed think- well, well above bringing in Slater, Lindsley, Feller. It's nice. Offensive line is good. We're going to get to that extensively with the Chiefs. Jared Cook doesn't move the needle. Like I'm very excited about a coaching change, and then at the same time, it's like, man, you lost Casey Hayward, you lost Melvin Ingram. Like, is this defense going to stink? And then I say, Andy. Like, are, maybe there's enough stars to offset scrubs because this is a this is the king of stars and scrubs. Like, maybe he can make this defense work. So, I'm I'm pretty wishy washy on this team just based on some of the unknowns and bringing in a, a defensive head coach, which I never love. And at the same time, I'm saying good things about it. So, uh, kind of a, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, Andy, this week. Way to but, take a stand, Andy. You know, and yeah, and again. The, Way to take a stand. Asante Samuel Jr. Was, probably going to work out eventually. Yeah. But, and Der, Derwin James back from injury. You still also, it's, you have some, you have some good names on that defense, but losing Hayward, losing Perriman, losing Ingram, and not giving a, you know, not having a high end pick for a defense. And you pick Hayward, the corner, Hayward which and Perryman don't really move the needle for me. Ingram. Obviously, is a guy that can, you, know, you you like to have a you know multiplicity in your pass rush. You don't want to rely entirely on Bose, Joey Bosa here. Um, but you're yes, the entirety of their offseason, the thesis that they went into that offseason with was our offensive line is a problem, and our coaching staff needs a rehaul. Um, or our coaching staff is a problem, and our offensive line needs a rehaul. Both one, you know, both and and likewise. Because uh, yeah, four new starters expected on this offensive line this year you mentioned slater you mentioned lindsley lindsley by the way coming from a green bay system where he was the center of the a clear top five o-line for the last several years um so in general that works out would you say when you bring in a new center a guy that's like all pro level more times than not, that's a good move. Like out of the moves, like he moves the needle way more than you can think of specific anecdotal examples though, where a team brought in like an all pro center and it was like, holy crap, that whole line gelled. Like it was like that, like one guy in the middle of that line can do solid things to kind of bring cohesion. I've noticed. Would you agree? Or, or even, or even just a high end guard, uh, even a high end guard who you, you pair him with a good center. It's like, Right, that kind of locked down that side. It made that tackle yeah. better. Like having, having. I mean, we, we talked about this last on Monday. Having problems in the middle of the line is almost as bad as having a gate for a left tackle. So, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for this team. And that, that's. I'm gonna start taking points. It's like that's point one, for Herbert not being a wash this year, not being a sophomore slump. Improvements on the line, including a veteran center who we think will be a very nice addition that should help. That's a good thing. And he already had, you know, you can say, well, he didn't make much else to the to the offense. It's fair, but he already had a pretty good one-two punch at receiver. They lose Hunter Henry. Tight end. 
Yeah, I mean, that that really sucks. And your, Jared Cook is absolutely not the replacement for that. But you have a nice one-two punch it out wide, and you have a pretty good running back. Like, all things considered, you could do a lot worse for surrounding you know, surrounding company as a quarterback in a, a team that I, I have no idea where they're at. It's like they've never been in a rebuild. They're just such a weird team year in and year out where you just never know what you're going to get from the squad. But uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say what part of a cycle they're in. But yeah, you could do a lot worse. You really could realistically, do a lot I don't worse. think tight ends a super important position for this team because they have they're going to do a lot of eleven personnel. If I could tell you, they're, you're going to have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the field for every single snap. And I like I would like to see a lot of Jalen Guyton uh, out there. He was a surprise positive for them last year particularly being able to create separation deep uh so i think they have a nice one two three punch at wide receiver there um and jared cook obviously is a fumbling machine even though he's a big target um i wouldn't be surprised if he ultimately doesn't have much of a role in this offense so not, not a big deal to me um let's talk about herbert in a little more detail, because you brought up, I thought, a very valid point, which is, yes, his deep ball last year was amazing. Uh, however, how much can you count on that carrying over from year one to year two? Not a lot changed in terms of his weapons and their ability to create separation down the field. So presumably, the opportunity will still be there to make those plays. Uh, the offensive system has changed entirely because we now have, uh, who's it, Joe Lombardi? Do I have that right? Joe Lombardi comes in. He was the quarterback coach. Joe Lombardi, yeah, he was in New Orleans. Joe Lombardi comes coach. in. He's now working with a quarterback who has a live arm for the first time in many years. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what he has up his sleeve uh, in terms of creating interesting, um, you know, interesting offensive schemes. I don't have any expectation one way or the other what we're going to see there. Um, but I do like a Keenan Allen and a, uh, Michael Thomas type of role for this offense that would be exciting um, but the, there are two enormous red flags when it comes to uh, why you may expect regression from Justin Herbert in 2021 and I'm not subscribing to this but we need to be forthright about for the for, for the for the sake of completeness we have to cover this yeah, yeah, you got you got to look at both. Sides Justin of the Herbert, point, eh? EPA per drop back, with no pressure, twenty first in the NFL. Justin Herbert, EPA per drop back under pressure, number two. That's weird. <laughs> There's very little uh, that I can tell you about him being able to do amazing things under pressure. Meanwhile, not being the same quarterback in a clean pocket uh, that gives you lots of good feelings of, well, they've, they've done a great job of, of they've invested all this capital in the offensive line. So he's going to be under pressure less and he'll be performing at a lower Is level. Be I worse? Mean, obviously, yeah. his, EP, his EPA That's per play good. with no pressure was higher than it was under pressure, for sure. There's no doubt about that. He was negative EPA per play under pressure. Every single quarterback is, except for, there's. you want to guess? There's one quarterback in the NFL last year who had a positive EPA per play under pressure. You want to guess? Like Rodgers? Rodgers was number 10. Wow. Um, Allen? Allen was number three, just behind Herbert. Oh, we're getting... We're getting. Getting closer. 
I was just as a joke answer at Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was he is way down here. Uh, yeah, I was trying to go to the other. Oh end no, of the Kirk list. Cousins was seventh. He wasn't that bad. Yeah, really? he was number seven. Wow. Well, that's weird. Oh, he had Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he had true. good tight ends. Like he can just whip it out that's there. True. That's true. I don't know. You have to tell me. All right. I got Pat Mahomes was number four. Um, Philip Rivers was number five. How about that? Uh, the number one QB and the only guy that had a positive EPA per pass under pressure was Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins. 0. Oh, 0. God damn it. Number one EPA per play. Although he was also number 34 uh, outside the pocket, which is also kind of wild. Um, but no, the point is... That's where I wonder succeeding, about some of these, being these splits. Don't being make sense successful sometimes. or just being not garbage under pressure is not something you can count on. Right, it's not a year-over-year statistic that has um, lots of uh, that has lots of you know carryover. Similarly, with the deep ball, uh, your ability to uh, hit those EPA per plays on the deep pass not exactly something you can count on in year two or you know just in a second for for a second year. Um, although clearly there are quarterbacks mm-hmm. that have the tools that he has that have done it for many years in a row, all of the Aaron Rodgers of the world, all of the Pat Mahomes of the world. Although pretty clearly I don't think anyone at this point considers uh, Justin Herbert in the discussion with those two players. So where is Herbert in your rankings? Expectation coming into the season. We need two more years. He has such yeah. a wide distribution, man. Like I hate oh, just you gotta putting have someone some in a spot. Rate. You gotta have some kind of rating. It's easier with it. the guys coming up with the number, though. Where are you? Yeah, fifteen. Like eight, eight to eight. It's like eight to yeah. eighteen, man. Like his absolute. If he plays, it's like, oh my god, he just needed a different coach. Oh my god, this offensive line is keeping him clean, and the receivers are healthy, and it's not a huge drop off, and Eckler's great, and everything's working, and. It's like, yeah, he's a top 10 quarterback. There's also like, oh, some of those stats from a one-off year weren't super predictive. They brought in a defensive head coach. This guy, Lombardi, doesn't doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Nothing upgraded about the scheme. Then he's bottom half of the league for sure. But uh, still, I'm still hopeful just because of the pieces he has around him. And we'll get to schedule, but it's not the worst schedule in the world either. They have some, you know, they have some toughies. You got to play the Chiefs twice and the Ravens once, but other than that, the schedule is pretty forgiving for a second-year player. Again, I'll give him a point for that. I'll give him a point for the offensive line upgrade. I'll probably give him a point. And this is it's – it's tough to say this because he can't do this and not do it for everyone. But to be fair, he did come in as a rookie and not have a preseason, not have a camp, not have anything, really not even have a clue he was going to be starting as soon as he did. So getting all the time with the ones, getting this time to prep, that's hopefully going to be a huge feather in his cap, something that helps him along. And then really like the I was play gonna, calling is weird. Like they, they, took, they took such a step back. The sequencing was so aft. And really it, that might be what gets him to a ceiling he hasn't touched yet. They had like – they were bottom five in the league as far as if you – a couple different offensive – Efficiency numbers on first down. Basically, they their average second down was second you. and eight. Like, and then and then they had a weird a dot. Whereas, like, okay, it's second and eight. If we are throwing, we're gonna throw really short. Like when when it was a weird second down. It's like those things don't jive. And then also when they did throw on first down, which we know is usually 
a positive, they threw to the running back more yeah, than ba- anybody a bad, a bad, by a, a bad lot. Defense, right for your passing, yeah. That's a bad, usually a bad. Yeah, the swing, the swing past the running back when you have all those downs, like it's not what you want to be doing. So like they put themselves in bad positions and they put Justin in bad positions and he really was pretty good on third downs, especially in the first half of games, and just. You can only do so much if you're constantly putting in bad positions by the play sequencing and calling. So, uh, and that's that's unanswerable for me. Is like, hey, guess what? Uh, well, it should get better. Will it? I don't know. It could literally it could get worse. It's not like they were the worst team in the league at this. So Lombardi's never called plays. He was a quarterback coach down uh, down there. I'm sure he had input, but like, I don't know yeah. much about this. It's, he, it could get worse if it does get if it does get better. I'm hopeful and. The soft schedule and more preparation, better offensive yeah. line, all he these was, weapons. He was an adapted guy. Really. Like you, everything you mentioned is true. He was great on third and fourth downs. Terrible yeah. in the fourth quarter. <laughs> he was great uh, under pressure and trying to throw the deep ball, but brutal on first downs with the passes yeah. to the running backs. And some of that was scheme. Absolutely. Um, speaking of scheme, I will buy you a Pittsburgh Pirates Gavin Weir jersey. Uh, if you can tell me who the Los Angeles Chargers offensive coordinator was last year, I'll even give you. I'll even oh God, give you. I saw this. I literally read this. I read his name when I was doing some prep this afternoon, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> like who are? Yeah, this I, year I can't he is the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Where, where did Gus Bradley go? No, I know. We were just talking about him the other day. Now I'm thinking about all these. It's funny how the, these people just get retreaded all over the place. Oh, man. Give me. Nah, I, I, I can't get it. I guess I don't get it. It's Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen. Steichen. I know I read this. Shane yes. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator. And was he? He was in his first year. Yes, he was. He had been elevated from quarterbacks to interim offensive coordinator the prior year. Probably when they fired Gus Bradley, (laughs) and then uh, and then into offensive coordinator for 2020. He is now the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Um, Okay. In the past, Steichen has worked for Mike McCoy, Noah Turner, Anthony Lynn, Rob Chudzinski. Um, So not an illustrious coaching tree. But that's, but that's okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I honestly, let's move to coaching because this is a great segue. I do think from everything we've heard from Brandon Staley that we can expect them to do a more plus EV approach to an offensive scheme. And yes, does, is that, you know, is Lombardi bringing anything over from New Orleans? That's amazing. That's, unru- you know, <laughs> that, that, that it's uh, repl- repl- replicatable uh, from what New Orleans has done over the years. That's been, you know, so impressive, maybe. But I think they've been very flexible. Yeah, Staley's much more. I have I'll believe it until I don't see it, that he will play aggressively. He will pass early on, you know, he'll pass on early downs. Um, you know, will be aggressive in terms of when to go for it on fourth down and set it, setting himself up for makeable fourth downs in the right part of the field. Like he does say and seemingly genuinely believe a lot of the stuff that the analytics community would support. And so there's a chance that 
you know, he ends up, there's a chance that he ends up being a higher plus EV game manager than his former boss, John McVay. I don't think that's crazy. Um, you know, when he's kicking field goals, when he's going for it, all of that stuff will be, we'll have to evaluate it on the fly and see what we think. Um, but at this point, I'm optimistic. I am uh, cautiously optimistic is the right word. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton to say on this because I a lot of it would just be guessing. I like where he came from. I like the things he's saying. I don't know a bunch about Lombardi, but I like where he came from, especially from an offensive uh, philosophy. Like those guys made do. Hey, he's hurt again. We got to start a tight end. We got to start Teddy. Like, the, oh, okay, let's just win like all but one of those games over a couple of years. Like, hey, we, we're going to draft a bunch of players and put them wherever, and it's all going to work out. Hey, we're going to get another star receiver. Like, Marquez Galloway looks good, too. They, hey, it's just like things work out for the Saints, and a lot of that is coaching, being flexible. You see people, they bring people in, try to change them. Like, oh, you're going to do this now. It's like uh, the Twins tend to make David Ortiz a singles hitter. You see how that turned out. Had to get rid of him. Didn't work out. And he was he a bust, right? to become uh, right. the star of many commercials. Yeah, he was a bust from there. I'll have to go check. I didn't follow <laughs> baseball that closely, but yeah, the, 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 this uh, this is my last my last thing. Uh, I'm just going to shit on Lynn for a few minutes. Is the obscene amount of one score games they lost could be luck over the last two years more than anybody, more games than anybody that they led at half and lost, that they led in the fourth quarter and lost, like. That could just be variance, deviance, luck, but coaching, culture, decision-making, probably a little column A, a little column B, and maybe in this case a hefty serving of column B and coaching, culture, and decision-making because Lynn was horribly timid on fourth downs, especially when they start tracking. You know, now you say, oh, the analytics say well, no, like everybody has the analytics for the most part. You have it, you know, there's tracking companies that say, we think you should go on it. They're fourth down bots and stuff like that. And some of the ones where most of those analytics companies agree, like that should have been a go for it spot. In those spots, he's going for it like 25% of the time. It's not going to get you. To, that's how you lose close games is just a, a multitude of small decisions that go the wrong way. And yeah, that they the most loss, like I said, most losses over the past two seasons where they led at halftime, losing almost half those games. The average is like eighty percent if you lead at halftime, just absolutely not closing games. And and again, as far as the upgrade goes, I did mention this already. Like if I'm worried about this defense, I I mean we saw Staley do a pretty good job in the old Stars and Scrubs up in L.A. Like he made that defense click with. You know, some big names and people that were just kind of there, like replacement level players. So I'm I'm excited for the coaching on both sides of the ball, just what Staley brings from a defensive, you know, scheme and however he motivated those teams to do what they did. And obviously, yeah, it's it's fun having those corners. It's fun having uh, Aaron Donald in the middle. But uh, there was some spots in that uh, those defense where they were missing some talent. He made he made very good on that. And if he Let's Lombardi do what he does, and he's more aggressive, and he's more analytically driven. I'm I'm hopeful for this team. Again, this is a this is a tough team to evaluate for the last yeah. Uh, years we have so. mentioned Derwin James Rough. coming back off of injury. 
Um, he is obviously an extremely dynamic playmaker uh, and sort of the jack of all trades that fits into, um, you know, Brandon Staley style system. Really, 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 really good fit between Derwin James and Brandon Staley. Um, similarly, Joey Bosa, a guy that you can use in various ways across your defensive line to create pressure. Awesome. The rest of the defensive line, eh. Linval Joseph's, eh. Tillery, eh. Nwusu, eh. Linval Joseph's getting up there, he's a big he's dude. A big yeah, man. but like I don't, he, I don't know if you're using. But he's, he's not he's young. He's not young, and I don't know that you're using him in, in you know, you're not, you're not, he's, he's not, you're not, you're not, you're not giving, you're not putting him on the twist. <laughs> you know, he's, you're not. I don't think no. you're asking him to do. Oh, he, he's a run stop. I don't think you're sure. asking That's him to do especially sophisticated uh, um, action there. Um, so you know, a little bit of a depth question mark there. A little bit of a depth question mark at the linebacker position as well. Um, but great secondary, great secondary. Asante Samuel already looks like a smash. And really expecting this defense to be in the top half of the NFL this season, I think is completely reasonable. Do you have a guess as to what the market is power rating this defense right now? Oh, I would say they're probably a little down on the front four because of the loss. And honestly, you lost as, as much as it's not as a big of a deal for some of the other losses. You lost somebody at every level. You do get Derwin Thank James you. back. Very like good 20th? guess. They're in the same ballpark as the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans in the eyes of the market right now. Um, so it feels bad. It doesn't feel great. Tennessee. Yeah, no, it doesn't really feel great. Um no. Okay, so they'll they'll overachieve to a degree. There's this defense is better than that, particularly if Derwin James is healthy all season. Of course, agreed. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out about this team in particular, and where regression could sneak up on them, to a degree, and I forgot about this until I was looking detailed into the stats for um, Herbert last year. He got sacked a lot, and that will obviously begot hey, we need to do a better job of pass pro. And so we invest a lot in the offensive line. He fumbled eight times, only lost one. That is a little fluky. That seems sustainable. <laughs> that seems sustainable. I realistically, uh, I don't know if you can expect him to only lose one fumble again this year, but uh, that's somewhat questionable. Um, the schedule, let's take a quick look, is not especially spooky, really. It is, yeah. It's you get the Vikings and the Texans as two of your non, you know, playing a whole division thing. This they have some good situational stuff, and they play the NFC East, like. It's it's not the toughest landing. It's I think every every time we run through one of these, we're gonna have the same thing. It's like oh my god, they play a bunch of early games. Oh yeah, like it, this is another five. one where they play what yeah. five five games. It's it's weird that so they'll play five games as a West Coast team early in an East Coast time slot, was it which isn't great. But this is even weirder. Maybe not weird. I'm sure it happens every year. They get six teams who will face the Chargers in L.A. as the second leg of a back-to-back -back road. That that can't happen a lot. Like, six of your eight home games, 
you're facing someone who just played a different road game. That's I'd I say would, that's absolutely. advantageous. And three of them sure. are coming from the East oh. Coast yeah. <laughs> to LA. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's nice. So that kind of counteracts that. They get that that rough patch there with the double against Denver and Cincy. At least it's Cincy, I guess. It's a lower end team, but you get Denver off the bye and you have to play them at their house up at altitude, followed by one of your trips east to Cincy. And then maybe a nice little spot against the Patriots where you and you'll need that. You'll need that extra time to out scheme, you know, the schemers. Not I'm not saying they're cheaters, just schemers. Yeah. I so, mean, realistically, there's only yeah, five games on your schedule. It's not an awful schedule. There's, but yeah. Really, the only bad part is the yeah. There's only five games on your schedule. Your two Kansas City head-to-heads and your Baltimore on the road, where you are a meaningful dog. Um, otherwise, this is ma- This is an enormous slate of coin flips. Enormous. Ten games here lined inside three points. Most of them, they are small favorites, small chalk. So, I, I mean, expectations are pretty high for this team. If they, if the regression is in any way, shape, or form positive for this, these guys, injury-wise, um, you know, sophomore slump is not a thing. Uh, the coaching upgrade is real. This is a 10-win team, I think, pretty comfortably, which puts them 100% in the conversation for a wild card, if not competing for the AFC West. Six, six spots. Uh, yeah, I mean, this looks like your six seed if you had to say so, right? Yeah, I mean, some things need to fall in place. And again, if if we see some of the things with Herbert weren't sustainable, and we were like, oh, know, look right at us, why. yeah, we were, we were right, we were right. It was a bad draft pick. This was dumb. You guys were dumb for drafting him. But uh, yeah, if, if that happens, I think that's about it. That's the only way you can end up. Having a real disaster I have season, not, otherwise, yeah, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wins. If you gotta win a lot of coin flips to get to twelve, but for sure, if if you know, because mm-hmm. again, you're <laughs> they're due to win some coin, due flips. to win some coin flips, and that's not a thing right now. Their power rating is sixteenth in the NFL. That can go up. You could get an upgrade in the eyes of the market if you beat, you know, if you win your coin flips early on this schedule, particularly those first two. Um, I don't have any action on Chargers Washington, but that's one of the most anticipated early season games that I can tell you in the entirety of the NFL. That is going to be super, super informative as to the state of both of those teams. And very cool that it is at Washington, which makes it pretty much a coin flip. Totals low. Uh, That's going to be a super, super fun one. Very excited for that game. Um, Probably... The best game in the one o'clock slate, although I haven't looked at it lately. Um, the similarly that game against Dallas, you come home, you host the Cowboys. Uh, you know, you get to play a, a nice soft uh, uh, defense uh, in week two. Yeah, Cowboys off a extra rest, but it was a, a nice defense. Cowboys to test coming, out Herbert again with. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of these where the, the game the game planning is so different for. Like, oh my God, how are we going to break this Washington defense to the, you know, the exact opposite the next week? Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll score. You're going to stop a these wide receivers. range of game. You'll, you'll get to evaluate how they perform against two very different style of teams. Very much so. 
Yeah, that's well, well said. After yeah. two weeks, you'll kind of know, know a right. lot about uh, the offense and the defense right off yeah. the bat. You want to pull, pull up those odds. What was it? Is it nine and a half for the win total? It is nine and a half. Plus 110 to the over, minus 130 kind of to like, the under. Kind of a case um, right now, the Chargers to win the Super Bowl are 30 to one. That's a little shy by my numbers. I don't see Justin Herbert in his first ever playoff run uh, going to and winning the Super Bowl, even though it is in L.A. Super Bowl is in L.A. this year, and we are a streaking of teams winning Super Bowls at home. <laughs> That's been, <laughs> That's a, been thing a thing lately. Uh, the AFC for the Chargers is 15-1. to 1. Uh, AFC West, plus 475 to make the playoffs. Yes, plus 105, no minus 130. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Over 9.5 plus 110, I'm inclined to look at that as well. Nine and eight, I don't think gets you into the uh, into the AFC playoff picture. Um, but considering their schedule, the number of coin flips in there in this on this uh, um, on this rundown, I you know to make the playoffs, yes, at plus one hundred five or over nine and a half plus one ten are fair plays in my book. Well, yeah, whichever one has the higher price, because like you said, nine and eight probably doesn't get it done. You need ten wins either way. Although you could get the 10 and not make it in the playoffs. We said there might be an 11 win team that misses if things really go haywire and it's super top heavy. So I'd probably lean towards more the more towards the win total. I think that's probably the safer play. But maybe if I was taking like a full unit, I'd bet like three quarters on the win total and a quarter on to make the playoffs and hopefully end up getting them both when they win like 11, 11 games and sneak in as a six or seven seed. So yeah. Um, Hit us with your takes if you have Herbert takes. I feel like that's a quarterback that's just not getting talked about, and it's really a product of the draft. The fact that we have five other rookie quarterbacks this year to start gabbing about, and, and then two is also coming up, and people are talking about uh, you know some of the other second-year guys like Burrow, and boy, yeah, Herbert. I haven't had conversations oh, with anybody about him. Same. Yeah. You're yeah, like my I first bet, one. I mean, I think so. it's been really, really – fairly covered in across the space like people breaking down all of these points i think i there is a case that regression is coming um but there's also there's also a lot of positive upside with this team with the coaching change i think is really what it boils down to yeah i mean if it does if things go sideways for these guys it's because herbert took a, an enormous step back not just a little step back or, or an injury which, you know, never happens to the Chargers because they're definitely not cursed as a franchise. They, they, yeah, they definitely didn't build their, their stadium on, like, a Native American burial you know, yeah. ground or something. Dean, Dean Spanos definitely. They, you know, really, I was going to make fun of their... The Pachanga Indio tribe in Southern California. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Chase, Chase Daniels is not the worst backup. <laughs> like, it's... Like he, he's always he's always somebody's backup. He always plays. That's, not <laughs> That's a good an interesting point. That, so. All right, on to Kansas City. Let's uh, let's crush let's the it. last team in the AFC West. Obviously the favorites. Obviously the big one. I made a case on Brown Pick Bets a few weeks ago while I was drinking on vacation for an under twelve and a half on this because I did see some some problems with this team. Maybe some things to step them back. Let me queue up the 2020 season. Everybody knows it ended in disappointment. That sucks. It's very, very, very hard to repeat. 
And the injuries didn't help. Losing some key pieces on that offensive line, really, really poor timing for that. And also you went up against a hot-ass team with a stacked-ass roster and really probably one of the only guys outside of New England that I'm, I'd consider a Reed, uh, Andy Reid peer. It's, I, I still think he's a very high-end coach. And everything came together. They won three road games, got to play the Super Bowl at home. The season ended in disappointment, which is what happens when you draft a running back in the first <laughs> round. Remember that, GMs. This is what will happen to you. You don't want to do it. And I, still, I actually like Hilaire, but uh, and, and you know it, it wasn't the Patriots level, but they had the uh, the one guard opt out. I can never remember his name. He's Lawrence, up for coming uh, player of the year for some reason. That's right. Tuvernay, Tuvernay. Tu, tu, yeah, Damian Williams opted out for COVID. They're fourteen and two, and I'm like, oh shit! It was another one of those where it's like, man, were they? That that's crazy. And then I looked, and I'm like, this was an easy schedule. Christ, it was. they only played four teams that made the playoffs. They've actually beat all four of those teams. Their losses were to the Raiders and Chargers, who for some reason gave them a lot of trouble. All four Raiders and Chargers games were either two of them were losses, and the other two they won by a combined seven points. They had a lot of close games. They actually did play a lot, and we talked about this ad nauseum. There was a couple of those that shouldn't have been close. You know, they they were really letting people in the back door. <laughs> if you're alive over better, they were a dream. But, the, yeah, the Raiders and Chargers games, honestly, I think it was one Broncos game. They beat them pretty well. But five out of the six divisional games last year, they either lost or won by less than a score because that the, both those other games were close. And then one Broncos game, they won by six. So they they kind of had some trouble with the division. And, you know, the Raiders gave people fits if your defense wasn't playing well. That was probably my big, biggest disappointment for a Chiefs team that we got involved in early in the season. They spent a shitload on the defense. And it wasn't all that good. And, you know, things happen, and not everything works out all the time, and there's injuries, but they had a pretty hefty penny stuck into a defense, and it's it just didn't pan out like maybe some people thought it would. I thought it would be a lot better. Um, maybe that was a part of letting people in the back door. And, yeah, they were weird second half of the game monsters. Like, not only coming out – I don't know. Some people shit on Andy Reid's halftime adjustments – I, I want to give credit to the defensive, like Spags halftime adjustments are great. They shut people down. They were like the Warriors. I didn't hear much like of the, that. You know, the, yeah, I, I had a couple of people say that. Like, yeah, he's really good at prepping. He's not great at halftime huh. adjustments. I'm like, I think maybe if that's true, maybe it gets lost because he makes such good in-game decisions usually. But, yeah, Spags, Spags was a monster in the third quarter. They shut teams down, and they – it's, I've seen some stats about how they scored a lot in the fourth, and they needed to. And I think it might be more of a thing if they needed to more often. You don't score a lot in the fourth when you're up by multiple scores, I believe, is probably what the case was in previous years. So that said, they were the biggest overperformer by Pythag. Three-plus games. They should have been 11 win team, roughly. I could give them. I'm going I'm, before you even get to it. Yes. That is strictly based off points given up. I don't think the three is accurate because, like I just said three times, they gave up so many garbage points they shouldn't have. I think they did overperform their Pythag, but they should have been 
maybe like a game and a half and not three. Like this is a 13-win team. This is a 12-win team that had bad luck. This is not an 11-win team ever, just based off that schedule. They just they didn't score big time against some teams they could have. They had some weird turnovers in the red zone that are, you know, not usual for them. And they let a bunch of teams just score a bunch on them that didn't matter. So I, I think, yeah, I, is, I mean, is that where you're going with that? Because I think that's kind yeah, of where it was. It was I disagree with the pipe bag a little. Um, context. Context to the pipe um, great, great example. Uh, the Tampa Bay game. They won by three in regular season, 27-24. <laughs> My yeah. expected margin, considering how those two teams played, seven and a half. Uh, the Miami Dolphins game, uh, that was a six-point game. Uh, yes, granted, this was borne out in almost entirely of turnovers by, you know, the Dolphins forced Pat Mahomes into three or four turnovers that were pretty brutal. Um, but realistic margin there should have been 12. Realistic margin is New Orleans. 11 uh, this is this one's the one that i lose my shit over because uh i had kc minus three uh my realistic margin there was 12 points um there was a bunch of these i think they should have beat the raiders the second time they played them by eight and a half uh they should have beat the panthers uh by five they beat them by two so yeah there was there were a number they were like eleven point favorites to the Panthers, right? I they, definitely took the Panthers. Didn't we bet that? Game. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I, the, I think I think we took a, yes. A grabbing a on that boatload one. of points with a bad team in Arrowhead was a good bet last year, except for the Jets, obviously. <laughs> right? You could have taken a whole whole bunch yeah. of points with the Raiders, they went out right. A whole bunch of points with the Panthers, two point game. A whole bunch of points with the Broncos, uh, was an eight point game. A whole bunch of points with the Falcons, three point game. Actually, interestingly enough, I think the Chiefs should have lost that game based on my the way I break that one that box score down. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a, it was a bizarre season. The Miami uh, the, game? No, the Miami. That I think they should have won the Miami game by more than six, but they covered. But they covered that the one. Miami game was uh, weird. Miami Miami covered that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was. This was a wild. This was a wild, insane season for these guys in terms of covering or not covering over the course of the season. They were a strong bet against on the point spread for most of the season. Um, you didn't really pay a price if you were backing the, the Chiefs, uh, particularly on the on the money line in the playoffs until the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it was it was uh, but the Super Bowl itself was I thought was was a really interesting game. We probably ought to give it a, more than. Well, actually, let's give the three playoff games more than just a, a second here. The Browns game was weird. Because of the injury to Mahomes, don't yeah. really know what to make of it. Uh, the Bills game was classic playoff Mahomes read. Go down early, bend but don't break, come back and just scoring in droves, bury your opponent, suck the life out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Suck, oh, yeah, we suck, saw this last year. The they do this. This is what happened. Yes. We, we've gotten yeah, exactly. used to it. It was like, oh, so deja vu all over again. Um, the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay obviously played their best game of the entire season, specifically on defense, holding the holding the Chiefs to nine points. That was really something, man. <laughs> that was something. Uh, love to know what the odds on the exact score of nine points or even just the under 10 team total for the Chiefs was in that one. Because to that point in the entirety of the Andy Reid Pat Mahomes marriage, I think this was what was their floor? Their floor was like in the low in like the low twenties, right? 
23. Like yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It was uh, the Falcons. I guess they only scored 17 against the Falcons, but their their floor was not especially low. Um, so to only get nine was a shocker. Tampa Bay, obviously, uh, perfect game plan in that one. Get out to a lead, and then um, what was interesting to me beyond just the uh, the fact that obviously the weak link was the uh, Chiefs offensive line completely prevented them from doing anything. Uh, that was the game plan A, and really, tur- I mean, yeah, turned Pat Mahomes into a full-on uh, alliance of magicians artist. He was doing some absolute <laughs> insane, insane things, insane things. Are you taking? I took him seriously. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> uh, he was, and to be fair to him, Patrick, he was carrying some and getting the bye week before help, but he was carrying. Yeah, it didn't some seem like that well. was, It didn't seem like it he was affected. It sucked. But like, the offensive line was was. was it, yeah, I thought I thought the foot injury, like right away, it's like I don't know if it's actually hurting him. He's got enough toradol in that leg to knock out a horse. Yeah, but it was a, uh, you know, it was it was. I guess the interesting thing beyond the offensive line sucking in that game is the Chiefs defense really couldn't get off the field. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't keep Tampa Bay from killing the clock, driving in a couple of key moments in the second half. Like even at halftime, we did a halftime show. I'd love to see what kind of state of sobriety I was in. I'm sure it was not sober. Um, but uh, we, I did, I was not prepared to close the door on the Chiefs for the season. I thought still in the back of my head, they're, they have a chance. They have Mahomes. They can score 28 points in a quarter. It's not over yet. Um, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made an emphatic statement that it was over because they just drove for, you know, just, mo- just monumental drives in the second half of that game to eat clock. And Leonard Fournette was great. Go figure. I eat some curl on that one because I was a very, I was a, I was a Playoff noted, money. noted Leonard Fournette <clears throat> hater yeah. last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and honestly, like, that's what the Bucks did. They made everybody so yeah, good. Yeah, they did. And I, I, honestly, ultimately, I don't have uh, a real clear vision that what we saw in that game was some it was a, was fluky, right? Like that didn't you, you know sometimes when teams suck it up, stink it out, and you're like, well, you know, got out of bed on the wrong the wrong side of the bed, and you know everything went wrong, and like it, you know they they that was one that was their bad game, right? Like it did that didn't feel like an un fair result am i correct no it didn't and yeah the the injuries sucked but <clears throat> then everyone's like oh the offensive line was hurt and like yeah i mean you gotta give tampa a lot of credit for that defense but the biggest the biggest sticking point for me was like they couldn't stop anything they couldn't stop the run when it was it wasn't oj in that backfield that wasn't AP in, in his prime. I mean, the, just not being able to stop the run was like, oh, this game is over. Like, it's it, it's over, and I, I don't even believe that, you know, the Chiefs can come back and score a bunch, but they, they're they never going to stop this team. Speaking of AP, it's like, it's like Boise State once they got to overtime in that game. Oh, we're not going to stop them anymore. We better get the Statue of Liberty <laughs> playoff. That's our, yeah. We have to end this now, or we just – AP is going to have – at infinity 25 yard touchdown runs for however many overtimes there are and they were just one once they they couldn't get off the field on defense and yeah we'll get to defense like i'm i'm not super keen on the defense again this year i am happy about some of the the changes we saw in offense maybe a little bit uh especially on the offensive line but you know they lost pieces there as well too so yeah getting 
I mean, do you want to get to changes? Yeah, then? Because uh, I think yeah, the but yeah, we, but basically we, uh, basically I'm, we agree that that was a fair result. So they lost and they deserved. Yeah, they it was a fair result, and, and yeah, they, they played a really, really, really good team. Like that was one of the that run through the playoffs. Like I don't know if I've seen a team get quite that hot in the playoffs since I hate saying it, but Joe Flacco. Like that team was just even again, like that Denver team was better than them, but like sometimes just everything clicks and everybody plays so well. It's like, oh, this team is. Gonna Are you win saying Tom Brady play. is and the Bucks? Uh, you know they haven't lost. He he is probably in the Joe Flacco elite era. Is that a conversation. Like, uh, he's had his share of team. He's had his share of fucking defenses <laughs> help him out too. So, anyway, the yeah the biggest change for me was a non-change: the fact that they retained their yeah. offensive coordinator. Huge, huge bump. Not losing the enemy who interviewed God knows how many times. I won't even get into the politics of that he should have had a job. He doesn't. So you keep your whole coaching staff together from a very good team. You get Pat healthy. You add um, – they didn't have a first-round pick, and it was because they traded for Orlando Brown Jr. I was looking him up. I accidentally clicked his dad instead, and I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? I'd <laughs> He's quite old. It was like 10 Orlando years ago. Orlando Brown passed away. Yeah, yeah. RIP Orlando Brown mm-hmm. Sr., but Orlando Brown Jr., they traded for, and really getting the 31st pick, getting a decent, pretty decent offensive lineman, Start at left tackle, like that's probably better than what you're going to draft there. So don't hate the trade. Uh, nothing really super exciting in the draft, but they did sign Joe Thune for a bunch of money. They added another offensive lineman somewhere. I'm going to have to. I think steal of the draft. Trey Smith. There we go. Steal of the draft. There was, there was, yeah. All the way down at the bottom of the draft. Incredible. That was their they last pick. Like, they, yeah. got an, they got an SEC. Yeah, they got an SEC lineman very late. I'm looking at the rest. Yeah, a Duke tight end. I'm not like I guess you did draft some depth. You got a Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. The linebacker. I don't know much about this Bolton kid, but the the Thune signing, getting somebody very deep in the draft that might be a decent, if nothing else, depth. Getting Brown. Getting uh, a center and. I'm trying to think Blythe. Creed Humphrey and Blythe. Mike Remmer. I think Creed Humphrey. It looks like Creed Humphrey's going to get the starting gig. Creed Humphrey was the rookie. Yeah. So, I mean, speaks to how well the I mean, Oklahoma offensive linemen and quarterbacks going like hotcakes the last few years. And then oh, Kyle Long out of retirement. That's a, a thing. Uh, I, he's on, I don't he's know on, how I feel about those. Play. Yeah, I mean, he's – He's injured already, and I I don't know. Like, I'm not excited about that. It, it did happen, though. So not a, not a lot of changes. The The biggest changes for me were probably, like, the the fact that they didn't stick a bunch into the defense. You got what, – what, what's your favorite positive change on the defense? Uh, maybe that the Frank like Clark Hughes? era is over? I don't know. Uh, Frank Clark is going to make way for someone else yeah. to come in and get some reps. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't have a favorite move on the defense. I didn't really like anything that the defense did. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, there, here was, here's my general feeling about the off season for the chiefs. And it was, and a lot of teams fall into this trap and it's funny to see that the chiefs are just like everyone else. 
<laughs> where all, where they're just like celebrities. They like all us. they remember is the last thing that happened to them in the season, and the entire focus of their off season becomes that thing, as opposed to evaluating all of the issues on the roster and trying to distribute your your capital appropriate you know across everything uh so rather than you know trying to address every problem all they did was well we lost the super bowl because our offensive line so let's invest everything we have and completely re uh restock this room with draft choices free agents and trade pieces um and that may work you may have solved that problem this offensive line could entirely be a top 10 offensive line this year once they get a little bit of cohesion uh, they might not even need time they might be out of the gate one of the best who the hell knows but they did not address a number of other potential issues across this roster and i will start with the wide receiver position we have tyreek hill and a bunch of guys that we have massive question marks about i will then go to the defensive side of the ball where you have uh chris jones that can create pressure and a bunch of guys that cannot they have uh, yeah good yeah it's like i looked i'm like i like chris jones and i like matthew and i'm not sure i like much else here sneed's okay I'm, i'll take a i'll take a legere yeah sneed. like the, the, hughes might be okay you have some okay coverage but I'm not like in the front seven whatsoever. And I don't, I, can the defense take a step back? Like, yeah, the covered coverage is going to be better than your front four, front seven, but the rest of it is like, well, this is, what's the floor for this? Like 22, 23? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th I think that's being, that's being positive to be honest uh the floor for this defense in terms of overall I have them 20th, I yeah no no i think they, they could end up worse than that for sure um you know if teams figure out ways to put two three hats on chris jones um there are a lot of ways to attack this defense really lots of them um and in general we know defense to be a re you know re realistically it's a uh you know it's a weak link system and there's lots of weak links that will be on the field at every moment. Uh, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, realistically over the last two seasons, has gotten way above the talent level production out of this defense. Ultimately, especially on their you know their end of the season run through to the Super Bowl against the Niners, the that Spags defense was playing out of their minds. Um, and I think realistically, this is bottom half of the league defense from a talent standpoint, um, which puts a ton of pressure on, uh, on your franchise quarterback, Pat Mahomes. I mean, he's going to have to make the most, uh, you know, of another offensive year where he has two of the most dynamic weapons in the game and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and really not anyone else to hang your hat on Clyde Edwards, Hilaire already hurt question mark. Already hurt maybe i am hopeful for him i think he can have a good career he has the weapons to be the kind of running back who can do a few different things and stick around rather than be replaced after four years but or less but yeah the defense and my biggest issue with the defense is if you look at the strength of schedule it's not bad like the strength of schedule is decent but at the same time again the coverage unit is better than you know, the front four, the front seven, whatever. I guess you still have to count your linebackers in the coverage. I'm not so keen on that sometimes, but 
if you're looking at the teams who are succeeding, obviously you're seeing good aerial attacks. It's 2021. We throw the ball now. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Tannehill and that group with uh, Brown and everybody, Josh Allen and, uh, you know, measles and digs. You have the Cowboys if that decides to work out. You have the Browns. You have, honestly, if Big Ben isn't dead, like they have a lot of receivers. You have the Steelers. You have the Baltimore Ravens, who are maybe not the most aerial, but that's a very challenging offense to play. You have the Chargers we just spoke about twice. You have Derek Carr, who's not going to wow you ever, but he's efficient as hell. And you got game manager Teddy with pretty good receiving core coming at you. You face some kind of tricky def- or offenses. If your defense really stinks, that's how that's, I mean, that's my cold water. I mean, I think Patrick is fine. I think this offensive line is very good. Yes, the receiving is going to be an issue. And if that's an issue, that's probably my second cold water. My biggest cold water is like if the defense is towards the bottom end of their range, you're playing a lot of good offenses, even if it overall it's an easiest, easy ish schedule sometimes. Okay. Uh, I'm a McCole Hardman guy, so I'll give you that. Okay. So yeah, we can, yeah, we can focus a little bit more on the offensive upgrade and yeah, the, I guess, so what does it mean to have a more competent offensive line with Pat Mahomes? Is Pat Mahomes the guy that you have kind of in the back of your head, you feel like has always thrived in structure and now you're going to give him more opportunity to operate in structure and he's going to just carve you apart? Sometimes, but I I think that's a two-part equation that requires good separation from your receivers. And if you are bright and you're not getting much outside of what Tyreek can do with his speed, it doesn't matter. You can stand back there forever. If you guys I guess separate, so really, so if you had to, if you had to line it from a prob- probability standpoint, uh, the fact that they have doubled down on the offensive line, likely to keep Mahomes healthy, that's true, right? More likely to see him healthy this year, but isn't he still just going to be the guy that if guys aren't getting separation, aren't getting open, the first second read isn't working out, he's still gonna scramble around like a maniac in the backfield, elude pressure, extend the play, rip the bootleg. Uh, I get what you're you're saying. It is a positive for any team, but maybe less of a positive for uh, somebody like that who can play behind questionable offensive linemen where if you're going to put resources, draft capital, money, trade capital into this team, it would have been better spent at wide receiver and defense. Hard agree. Yeah, Thank you. I, I, I wish I wish you would have I wish you would have seen a little more work into this defense, a little yes. more work into getting another receiver. And we you know we don't know about some of these receivers who maybe didn't get a ton of time. He had that Pringle kid wasn't horrid, and there's a rookie out of Clemson. I'm gonna have to scroll up and find him. You again, it was like a fucking third day pick, but that, that stuff works out sometimes. So Cornell some, Powell, some depth I haven't heard there. his name. I haven't watched. Season. I haven't watched a ton of the yeah I haven't watched a ton of the Chiefs stuff outside of the Cardinals game and uh, Nicole Hardman's getting some plays so maybe maybe it does work out but yes agreed I wish I wish we'd have gotten maybe some wide receiver depth um, and you know who we, you know whose name has not come up even once is Mr Kelsey like 
that balances things out a little too. Having of course, yeah, he's the cheat, he's the cheat. Like, no, he's, yeah, no, he's, no. he's, he's your cheat. Yeah, he's your cheat. Code. Yeah, he's your he's your cheat code. He's getting you every first down that you need to get. He specifically with the type of offensive scheme that they run, he unlocks a lot. Um, and just ask the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that Buffalo Bills game, as soon as Mahomes figured out that what he had when he wanted it with Kelsey, that game was over. Bills had absolutely no hope of defending that play. And uh, they ate him alive. Uh, now, I, now if, if you're saying we're nitpicking here because they only have a top five wide receiver in Hill really and a top one tight to. end and uh, top one tight end in Kelsey, yes, you're right. We are nitpicking here. Um, I just think that your return on investment that you're going to get from investing all of this money in the offensive line probably would have been better distributed across the entirety of the offense. Um, you're still counting on Clyde Edwards Elaire to put away games for you at the running Very back position. I, I have a huge suspicion that that's not going to be a reliable option. Um, your backup running back, Daryl Williams stinks. Um, this is not a team that really can manifest much outside of everything Pat Mahomes is going to give you. And if we're right about the defense and they are bottom half of the NFL, you're going to be in a lot of close shootouts. You're going to need the ball in your hands last. I don't think you're putting so many points on so many teams anymore uh, that you are going to have massive margins that are un, un uh, you know, unobtainable uh, for a lot of the teams that are in the NFL anymore. Like uh, people are catching up to you in general in terms of their potential to put up uh, put up points. And you know, the blueprint I think to compete with the Chiefs is is there. Score thirty points. Go do it. And then be the Raiders. Be the Raiders. Yes, exactly. Be the Raiders. Go score 30 points. And, and that's never the answer in life. <laughs> be the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah. But no, just, you know, if you can score 30 points, you have a chance. Uh, you need the end, end game scenario to break in your favor. Um, you're not going to get to Mahomes with the pass rush, standard pass rush anyway. You're going to need outstanding coverage. Um, you're going to need to be able to anticipate where they're, what they're doing, what, you know, when they're, when they're doing it. Uh, you know, good luck finding speed to match Tyree Kill. Good luck finding uh, competent, you know, linebacker safety play to cover Kelsey. Um, but you're going to be in a game if you can score 30 points against these guys. And I think a lot of teams on their schedule are going to be able to score 30 points on these guys. So it'll be um, it'll be a challenging season for them, I think, to reach the heights that we saw last year, where they were 14 and one, and we expected to crown their asses for the second straight year. Um, crown their now. I guess moving a, a like a yeah I, I mean all this said there's 0.0 chance that we get to the playoffs and I haven't bought a future on the Chiefs at some point 0.0 maybe it's a Pat Mahomes MVP maybe it's the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl maybe it's the Chiefs to win the AFC I don't know yet but I'm not doing it now and a ton of that has to do with schedule we can jump right down to schedule and look at this puppy because it's one of the weirder ones in the NFL with the lopsided nature. Very. And if the things that we said nicely about the chargers, if any of that is true, and again, it's still in arrowhead, you're starting out. It's, and again, you're not the Texans, but those first three games, like that's a, that's rough. 
you get two two very very good teams right off the bat, and then the Chargers in a possibly a very very good team. Philly, I have no fun clue what's going to happen there. That's that's probably a win. Go to Philly to take care of that take, game. Take the points. Yeah, Buff, take, Buffalo take the points is your Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, I think that's not a bad look. Buffalo is the fifth game. Like these are three teams that are teams that could reach the Super Bowl from the AFC, plus the Chargers that could be a very potent offense. I yeah, I'm ready for I'm ready for a two and three Chiefs team that we are getting on. We're getting on that bandwagon there. Uh, Tennessee, that's a fun matchup for like a 58 point over. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, the rest of it there, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You have, you have Green Bay, Dallas. Green Bay, but at home. Raiders. You have Dallas, but at home. You know, if you're worried about a, a good offense beating you, you get, yeah, after, after that game where you face uh, Tennessee on the road, you have what, five out of the next six are at home with the only away game being an indoor game down in Las Vegas. The end of the season isn't super helpful for, uh, you know, it, at least it's two of the lower end teams in Cincinnati and Lord knows where Den- Denver, we talked about Denver. We said, Hey, maybe Denver plays the chiefs and they've already clinched the one seed. Yeah. Maybe Denver is out of the playoffs at that point too. It can go the other way where the chiefs need the one seed and they're playing a team that, man, Hey, we're eliminated. Or seven and nine. <laughs> yeah. We're seven yeah, and nine. We're um, about to get to eight and nine. No. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm eight. guessing. Uh, Fangio isn't the kind of guy who lays down in any situation like that. He loves play spoiler, but yeah, the the only rough spot looking situationally is the mega mini buy. That is a that is a tough one against Green Bay. At least it's at home, and at least Green Bay is off a of back to back roadie. But you get Green Bay coming off a Thursday while you come off a Monday, the worst in in rest spots that there really is. And, you know, you do get the rookie head coach on a Thursday night late. That's not great. Um, when you're a rookie head coach and you're prepping for a short week, the worst case scenario is to be doing it versus a really, really good preparation coach. So there's there's some there's some bright spots in here for sure. Obviously, the Green Bay game's tough in the beginning of the season. While there's nothing situational on the schedule, it's just kind of a tough start. Okay, so let's do a quick exercise rundown here. You tell me yes or no whether these teams, these offenses specifically, can score thirty points on the Chiefs. Okay, Cleveland, okay. yes or no? Yes. Baltimore. Yes, I mean, if we get the Baltimore, we've seen. Chargers. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm team no sophomore slump receivers work out and you get it done i think out of those three lowest confidence for sure but they can yes washington that was a quick yes nope tennessee defensive touchdowns maybe tennessee maybe okay that's a tweener there it's at tennessee it's uh the second straight road game you're coming off the game versus from washington then heading to tennessee that's that's a tweener giants no green bay Yes. Raiders. I want to say no, but they, they, it. they did yeah. it last year, maybe twice. Let's let's see. They let's definitely see if it got 31 in one uh, of the games. Yes. How about I Dallas? think it's a no. Denver? Yes. No. Raiders, no. Chargers, no. yes. Close. Late <laughs> let's in the give season, them a I think no that's right a no. Now. Cincinnati? 
Okay. So, no. uh, in total, there are nine Six. games during the course of the season where your opponent can realistically go toe to toe with you, points scored. Of those, uh, eight of them happen in the first half of the season. Only one of them is in the second half of the season. So this is a hugely lopsided schedule where all of the challenges, all of the strife, all of the potential heartache that may befall this team, I'm expecting to be over by the time you get to your bye. Maybe over by the time you play. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe the, the entry point is either you know, the Tennessee or the Green Bay game. Yeah. But for sure, there's, there's some entry, entry there. point there. I completely agree with you. And you know what else? Mahomes is going to rack up stats because these are all going to be shootouts through the first half of the season. So he's going to get his numbers up. And then realistically, I think the Chiefs can win out from week 10 on. I don't yeah. think they lose a game. And yes, Femi brings up a good point. Every episode, we, we made these we made these things a long time ago, and the Green Bay number is not, not gonna, right. Yeah, it's gonna be like, that was that was the halfway be number like between halfway between. If if you get lost between Rogers and Actually, Love. I saw the other day that Westgate updated all of them. They put out that matrix. Did you see that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and update that before we release this to the people. Oh, and real quick, anyone who's hanging with us, first off, if you're in the YouTube chat, you give me a goddamn thumbs up right now. <laughs> Secondly, people, I did have a couple people reach out and ask, and I'm, I'm guessing Drew might have too, about these. If you're looking at the schedule chart, the he's like, hey, are you going to put those out anywhere? And yeah, you've been putting them out in tweets, but I think we're going to try to mash them all into one PDF yeah. that you can download. Yep. So look for that after next Wednesday's podcast. Once we finish up with the, you know, the the last two teams will be Rams and I think Rams and Niners will be the the last two teams for us. Yep. Or Seattle, I'm not sure how they yep. fall. Yep. But the, after the last one next Wednesday, Drew is going to mash them all into a PDF, give you a download link, and you can have all these. Put them in your notes. Okay. So let's let's put a let's let's wrap this up with a couple of final thoughts. Specifically, uh, if you are like down on the Chiefs, if you hate the Chiefs, if you want to see the Chiefs finally struggle, I think you're going to get your wish early this season. But do not fall into the trap of assuming that means that they won't ultimately be very in the playoff picture in the AFC. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, and you know we, we say, hey, we're attacking them after the Tennessee game or after the Green Bay game. And well, how is that attack? And we'll look at the odds here in a second. But I think the dream scenario is Denver is winning close games on the back of a game manager and some good receivers Chargers and a great defense. Or or the or the yeah or the Chargers have won that game in week three and the Chargers are doing well. Like the combination of them having a slow start through those first nine weeks, and either the Chargers or Broncos, I, I'm just not going to include the Raiders, having a, a hot start. If you could get a reasonable price on to win the AFC West, that would be the best. That doesn't require them to beat the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Ravens. You don't have to beat any of those teams uh, to win the AFC West. You right. just have to you just have 
you just have to do well through that soft second half of the schedule. I'm not saying I won't be adding some, you know, to win the AFC, maybe Super Bowl, some other things. But if that number gets to be reasonable on winning the AFC West, that'll be something yeah. I added. And like I said earlier, I do have some under 12 and a half. So that's an easy hedge as well, too. Hopefully, uh, to, you know, ends up 12 and five. They win the division. We get it all. We've already covered the, whole we've already covered the Bills. Caboodles. We've already covered the Bills. We've already covered the Browns. Those are my two other potential contenders for the one seed in the AFC this year. And we would also, I would also like one of those two teams to beat the Browns and be the last kind of undefeated or one loss team in the AFC relatively late in the season so that there's some general consensus of, oh, that's your one seed. Right. Like they're like that would be yeah. helpful as well. If people look at this and they're like, oh, man, the Chiefs, they might not even win the West. They're definitely not getting the one seed in the AFC. Uh, you know, you need a scenario like you had with the Bucks last year in terms of, yeah, sentiment yeah, like, is God dang, like, these guys just can't catch a break. The, uh, the, if people, you know, the minute that they do an entire 15 minute segment on first take about the Super Bowl hangover. That's when you buy all the Chiefs futures. Yeah, just base it off that, I think. <laughs> so, uh, okay, the uh, why why buy the Chiefs futures? Here's the key question: Why? The I, second I, actually, half I, of I the schedule. Two, I have two really important questions for you, but no, no. But we're saying for the purposes of winning the Super Bowl, like they're going to actually have to do it. This is going to oh, this is still going to sure be a small that. enough number that they're going to actually have to do it. And the question is, well, you know, why? And it should be obvious, but the fact that Mahomes now has two extremely uh, obvious playoff runs in him to this point, there is this will be his fourth playoff potential, potentially his fourth playoff run. Uh, a lot more experience than the other guys in the AFC who are trying to get it done. Experience absolutely matters in the playoffs. You will never convince me otherwise. And there's really not a lot of other teams in the AFC who can probably beat Tampa Bay head to head in the Super Bowl, uh, assuming Tampa Bay gets there. Um, so, yeah, Mahomes, the matchup of you know his 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 swinging your win probability in your favor as in those playoff matchups is going to be huge, even if they're the third seed. Let's assume they get the third seed. They ultimately win the West at twelve and five or whatever, right? Yeah. They're still favored on the road against the Bills, aren't they? In the two-three matchup. Not by much. But favored. Couple points. Point and a half, two. Okay, under a field goal, but they're favored on the money line. Okay. Uh, similarly, yeah. in the AFC title game against the Browns, they got to go to Cleveland. Are they favored? Yes. Yeah, it's still the Browns. Kind of a similar line, I'd say, yes. two and a half. Yeah. So you're not going to get the chance to ride them as a dog in the playoffs is my point here. That's fair. And that's where I think I could go AFC and, you know, Super Bowl's just a derivative. They're just derivatives of, of each other. You can add one, add both. That's fine. So, yeah, if, if we get to that point, I'll probably just take, take a sum of money and split it up between the division, the AFC and the Super Bowl, or if the division price is not reasonable because the other teams have stunk as well. Probably just the AFC, the Super Bowl, maybe okay. to make the playoffs price if that's there. You didn't mention Pat Mahomes MVP. What gives? Too, much, mean, too many other moving parts. Yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much sewed up. That's 
uh, we have the Fitz Magic price. Fitz Magic hundred to one is already in the books for you. You've already you've already written that one in pen. God no. You created that one already? Okay. No, yeah, I, um, I graded, graded it myself. No, um, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, is anyone? Is there any situation in the NFL that sets itself up even close to what Mahomes is going to be asked to do this year offensively? Yeah, I guess there's a point for MVP. You need to you need to evaluate it. Then I don't like to look at that one so far out because it's like. What if what if somebody else is just doing it's just something? On, it's just it's nuclear be, on fire. Sure. Yeah, if they're doing nuclear and like somebody's gonna get to like you know, there's an extra game. If somebody has just a, a run, someday somebody might throw sixty touchdowns. It's awful hard to argue with that. Or somebody pat. gets to six thousand yards. Why can't Pat? <laughs> yeah, no, why can't Pat? I mean, isn't he the most likely, the most likely by a margin to do it? Yeah, he because this, Rogers, team isn't, this team isn't putting away James. games in the ground. I don't care how good their offensive line is upgraded. They're not putting away games in the ground. That's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I, I guess it, that that one I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to feel that one out a little. But Andy Reid's gonna go. Andy Reid's gonna go for it in the red zone. Oh shitload, you know it. He's going the, for it on fourth down the all season there, long. They're sure. gonna score so many fucking points. This team is going to score so many points, and he is going to rack up just absolutely mind-boggling numbers. They may be the third seed at 12-5, and five, and 12 wins may be enough that people ding him, and they may want to pick whoever has, you know, is 15-2 and two or, who, you know, whatever. Um, but it's going to be undeniable, at least from a statistical standpoint. The counting stats are just going to be bananas for Mahomes. And that's the thing, too. Like, if you get to that point, it's like, Oh man, like they're coming into an easy spot. The offense doesn't look bad. The defense stinks. Like that's another reason to take MVP because if that defense can, that defense probably doesn't turn it around. And Pat's going to be asked to throw three touchdowns a game. That as like his floor, they're going to have to score a lot of points. I like it even more then. So, yeah, nothing, nothing for me preseason. If you're looking at these odds, five to one plus two forty for Super Bowl and AFC, the West price is. Pretty funny. Awful. Then, That's awful. Uh, yeah, to make the playoffs is a massive number. The win total, I, I said I played a little on the under just because I, the, basically the how the schedule hashes out and how the defense is likely to play. So nothing yet, but we will be getting there. I think we're going to get there. On This is one where set your alarms. Set, a, set an alarm for that uh, Titans game. We'll update it then. Yeah. And we're usually pretty, we're pretty open about that. Hey, we're adding a future. We'll, talk about it on the <laughs> we'll even now that we have a production team, we'll even clip it and get it out on social. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll say, hey, guess what we bet today? Um, yeah, okay. Patrick May, um, Mayfield has like thirty-five touchdowns already. You're betting back. Goddamn right. You just wait, and then we'll get us a fun second place. And we'll change his name to Patrick Ustusen. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's – it closes the – I'm going to say clo let's close the book. Let's close the book on it. Let's close on the, the book on the AFC West. Let's close let's the book close on the, the AFC. The book on the AFC West, yeah. Entirely. That was the <gasps> last team of the AFC. That's true. Bang. Finished with – Yeah, we're – We'll let the users choose the next division. What do you think, though? The users. The users. Viewers, These guys are users. Definitely.
drug addict. There's definitely plenty um, of usury around here. <laughs> yeah, they're they're shooting NFL right now. They're on. I'm excited. We're very very close. There's going to be actual football on this weekend. We have the we have the college football week zero. We have some South Dakota Little League baseball. God, that team was just a cash cow. Favorite, one of my favorite teams. It feels like such an extension of the of the Olympics. Like looking oh, into yeah. these these children's stats. But um, <laughs> hey, hey, who knew we would figure out the rules of how many days rest you need given pitch count in little league, and that it was going to matter. Honestly, I mean it does, right? Like South Dakota is probably not going to yeah. win because they blew it today. They wanted to get in the complete game. They wanted to get him on ESPN, and now they're not going to win the World, <laughs> World Series because of it. Their second pitcher is pretty good, but he's not Gavin. They're going to have to use their third in the championship He's going to get drafted game. next year. They're going to have to use their third in the championship yeah. game. They have two more games. No, there's a 60% chance of rain in three days. We are praying for a monsoon up there. We need yep. it all. We need multiple days. I, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm hoping that the world Lily World Series gets rained out so we can get them back in. So, all right, yeah, the pride of Sioux Falls. Let's go. And he may not be there. Thank though, you guys. They're gonna have to probably beat California without him in the in the championship game for their bra- side of the bracket. Yeah, it's weird how there's like different championship games, but mm. I digress. <clears throat> that's my thanks. I mean, that, thanks, that's my de- thanks for that's being my in the chat, right you guys. Yeah. The Femmies and the Patricks of the world are always here. The Birdies. The, I'm trying to think who else was in there. Obviously, it's just a lot of those guys. Benjamin joined us. Our guy Patrick, regular caller. And Patrick joined, is uh, constantly. The, he's, a, he's a regular caller into the last word with Cheetah Show, by the way. Clint Richardson. Patrick, he's, number he's, two. Uh, he's been around. Number two on the on the board uh, behind Tom, who, who can't Nick, lose. Brian. Yeah, a lot of people. TMCLBNK. I don't know how to say that name. But a lot of thank you for joining us today. Thanks if you're listening. If you're in the YouTube chat, do thumbs up on the way out. And we'll see you guys next week, huh?